0: Well, if you sing at Thanksgiving, I'm not sure I want you to sing that song, all right? (laughs) But we have much to be thankful for. As a matter of fact, when we think about Thanksgiving and having a song in our hearts, John Wesley even said to sing vigorously or energetically and with good courage. He said, beware of singing as if you were half dead or half asleep, but lift up your voice with strength. Now, with thankful hearts, friends, listen, we have much To sing about. Amen? We have much to sing about. We have much to be thankful for, just as the psalmist tells us in Psalm 61. We're going to look at a song here, the Psalms, looking at Psalm 66, looking at verses 1 through 12 here in just a minute. And this psalmist tells us the reasons that we can sing and shout our thanks to the Lord. And as believers, what we say is, Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We cry out, thank you, Jesus. We sing out, thank you, Jesus. We speak out, thank you, Jesus, for all that he has done, all that he's doing, all he has yet to do. So let's look at Psalm 66, verses 1 through 12, in honor and reverence to the word of God. If you would please stand as I read this passage for us this morning as we look at this song by the psalmist. Make a joyful shout to God all the earth. Sing out the honor of his name. Make his praise glorious and say to God, how awesome are your works through the greatness of your power. Your enemies shall submit themselves to you. All the earth shall worship you and sing praises to you. They shall sing praises to your name. Come and see the works of God. He is awesome in his doing toward the sons of men. He turned the sea into dry land. They went through the river on foot. There we will rejoice in him. He rules by his power forever. His eyes observe the nations. Do not let the rebellious exalt themselves. O bless our God, you peoples, and make the voice of his praise to be heard. Who keeps our soul among the living and does not allow our feet to be moved? For you, O God, have tested us. You have refined us as silver is refined and brought us into the net and laid affliction on our backs and caused men to ride over our heads. We went through fire and through water, but you brought us out to rich fulfillment. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you and praise you for blessing us beyond all measure. And Lord, all across this building today, we can say thank you, Jesus, for what you have done. And Lord, I pray that you would move in our hearts and lives to have our hearts to be tender to your spirits moving in us. Lord, I pray that you would guide us to reflect deeply on that which has been done for us and how we can say thank you to you, Lord Jesus. I pray, Lord, that you would be with those today who may not know Jesus as Savior, that this will be the time where you're drawing to yourself by your Spirit's pull and by your call upon them. We thank you for those of us who do know you already and have received you as Lord and Savior of our lives. And, and we're praying for each of us, Father, today that you would stir up within us a renewed, thankful heart. Lord, that we would focus in on you again. Lord, I pray now that you'd have your way in every heart and every life. Let nothing hinder your spirit, O God, from moving. Lord, I pray that the words of my mouth, meditation of my heart, be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. When you see the outline in your bulletin, we're going to follow along uh, that outline. tell you what to put in those blanks as we move along. And the first thing that we want to see is, Thank you, Jesus. For the past, thank you, Jesus, for the past. Now, and the first little subpoint underneath there is that we're looking at for the past, and we're talking about memories. As a matter of fact, if you look at the these verses here, within these verses here of the Psalm in Psalm sixty-six, we find that, especially in verse five, the Psalmist says, "Come and see the works of God," or "Come and see what God has done." In other words, look. At what God has done. And so the psalmist, as he's writing this psalm, he is remembering. What God has done in his life and for the life of Israel. Remembering the the good things and remembering all that God has done for him. And so he's remembering. And what we need to know, friends, as we think about this idea of remembering, is that God sees it vitally important for us to remember. Remembering is important for us as his children. And we see this remembering throughout all of the scripture. As a matter of fact, just a few places to to remind you about is that if you will recall, the children of Israel, as they were kept in bondage by Egypt, when the plagues were keeping them, uh, God used the plagues to get them out of Egypt, using Moses to get them out. When they got to the last plague, it was the the plague of the death angel. And if you remember, God proposed a way in which they were to, uh, you know, kill the lamb and take the blood and pass, put it over the doorpost so that the death angel would pass over. And so God created a feast after the children of Israel had gotten out of Egypt as they went about their lives to, for them to remember this Passover as God's deliverance from the plague of death. He wanted them to remember this very important thing that had taken place that he had passed over, that, they had pa- that this death angel had passed over because of the blood, and they would remember this feast by, by this feast. And so and he wants them to remember their deliverance. There's another place in Scripture that, that we think about when the children of Israel had been wandering in the wilderness for 40 years and they're about to cross over into the promised land. Now Joshua is leading the children of Israel. And we remember that what he did, what God had told them to do, is that as, the, as God parted the Jordan River, as the children of Israel came through, he had them pick up twelve stones, and they were to take those twelve stones and create a memorial stones at this place called Gilgal. And this memorial, this set of twelve memorial stones, were there. God said, in order for a, a future generation. To see it as, a, as your children or your grandchildren or children's children came by and they saw these stones. They would ask you the question, why are these stones here? And then they could be reminded as you would tell them what God has done at the Jordan River. How he parted the river for us to come across and move into the promised land. God wants us to remember. We also think about the Lord's Supper. Uh, the Lord's Supper, where Jesus instituted this, this Lord's Supper of taking the bread and taking the wine of the juice and, and he, in order for us to do something, and that is for us to remember, to remember the cross. He says, do this in remembrance of me. And so we see throughout the scripture that God wants his people to remember. He tells us that over and over again. You know why? Because we forget, amen? We are forgetful people. We forget what God has done over and over. We, you know, it doesn't take long for us because of the busyness of life that we have forgotten how good God has been to us and what he has done for us. And so what we see the psalmist doing is the psalmist is remembering. And remembering is important for us so, so that we will not forget the goodness of God. And nor will we forget uh, how, what he is doing now as well. But also we find in the scriptures especially... He tells us to remember, and it's important to remember, to be brought back to our love and our adoration for who God is and what he's done. As a matter of fact, when you think about Revelation chapter 2 at the end of the book, the church at Ephesus, when, the church, when Jesus is speaking to the church at Ephesus and he tells them that he has this, this against them, that they have lost their first love, he then prescribes for them what they need to do, and the first thing that he says to them is that they must remember from where they have fallen. You see, remembering is certainly important, and so we are to remember God's goodness to us as we think about, thank you, Jesus, for the past. Amen? Y'all with me? Everybody there? All right, good. All right, so y'all doing good, Team B, with them, all right? All right, so now, as we look at this, remembering God's goodness to us for the past, thank you, Jesus, for the past. Also, the 2nd subpoint is for the marvels. Thank you, Jesus, for the marvels. And we see the, the marvels or the miracles that God has done in your life and in my life. The psalmist has pointed out a few here. He says, come, in verse 5, come and see the works of God. Come and see what God has done. He is awesome in his doing toward the sons of man. Look, he turned the sea into dry land. They went through the river on foot. There we, rejo- we rejoice in him, or there did we rejoice in him. That's a better translation. He's talking about here in verse six. He turned God turned the sea into dry land. Oh, the marvel of what God has done! Oh, the miracle of what God has done! How He turned the sea into dry land. He's talking about the Red Sea. He's talking about that time when the children of Israel were leaving Egypt. When when when. Uh, uh, Moses was leading them out as, as God allowed them to, to, to be gone, and Pharaoh had let them go, but then he changed his mind and they move in along, and the children of Israel come to the Red Sea and it looks like they are dead, it looks like they are at the, at, their, at the end of the rope. And they see the the soldiers coming, they see the chariots coming, and the sea is before them, and there's no way to get around this. And but God, in his majesty and glory, and his power tells Moses to raise the staff, and what happens is that the Red Sea parts. And the people, the children of Israel walk through on dry ground. It's an amazing thing. Can you imagine being there? seeing this take place. And yet the psalmist is saying, look, we remember that he turned the sea into dry ground. In other words, this was a time when God was showing himself strong on his children's behalf. It was a time of real deliverance. It was a time of rescuing his people. Beloved, listen, we must remember and say... Thank you, Jesus, for those past marvels, those past miracles in our own lives where he has rescued us, where he has made the way, where he has delivered us and rescued us as well. Amen? How he has shown himself strong on our behalf. Thank you, Jesus, how you have delivered me. Thank you, Jesus, how you have rescued me. Thank you, Jesus. For the past, for your marvels, for your miracles, for your mercies that you have shown me in my life. And all across our, our congregation, I'm sure all of us could say, thank you, Jesus, for the miracles you have worked in my life. Amen? Amen? All over the place. We know that he has worked those miracles in our lives. He's done those marvels in our lives. How you have, and we say, thank you, Jesus, how you've guided me in the right direction. Thank you, Jesus, how you made a way when it looked like I was a goner too. Thank you, Jesus, when you put people in front of me who loved you and who loved me and pointed the way for me to be, get on the right track. Thank you, Jesus, for those godly grandmothers who spent time on their knees praying for me when I was a teenager, amen? Y'all can attest to that, witness to that, amen? Thank, thank you, Jesus, for a godly grandmother and godly grandfather. Thank you, Jesus, for men of faith who, who came around me and poured into my life. Thank you, Jesus, who, for mothers who prayed for me. And prayed for you. Thank you, Jesus, for dads who set the example. Thank you, Jesus, for Sunday school teachers who poured into my life as a young person. I think about people in my home church growing up, people that I called Aunt Bessie, even though she wasn't my aunt. But boy, she poured into my life as a little three and four year old. Thank you, Jesus, for those kinds of people who have poured into us as we have grown up and moved along in our lifetime. Not not only when we were children and teenagers, maybe as we have got into adulthood as well. Those pastors, those preachers, those men, those strategic people. Listen, those strategic people that God put in those strategic places in our lives to help give us wisdom when we needed it. Amen? Amen? Thank you, Jesus, for what you have done in my past. Thank you, Jesus, how you delivered me and rescued me, how you kept me from making some really bad decisions, right? Thank you, Jesus, for me not getting in that car. Thank you, Jesus, for not dating that person. Thank you, Jesus, for not going down that path. Thank you, Jesus, but more important, thank you, Jesus, how you have delivered me from darkness and rescued me from the wrong. Amen. Oh, thank you, Jesus. You know, as a matter of fact, we think of 1 Peter 2, verse 9 and 10. The Bible says, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous life. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Jesus, who once were not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Oh, brothers and sisters, how we to say thank you, Jesus, how he showed himself strong for us, delivered us, rescued us, and saved me from my sin. He says... He turned the sea into dry land, but also he went through the river on foot. Of course, we alluded to this a few minutes ago as we talked about how the children of Israel went through the Jordan River. God parted the Jordan River as well, and that's what he's speaking about here. And this, as it references that, is an ultimate demonstration of God's power and care for his people. As he made a way for them, as a matter of fact, he was giving them direction. Thank you, Jesus, for how you have guided my steps. How you have given me direction in my life. How you have made the way. How you have provided for my needs. You know, beloved, it's no telling how many times God has provided for each of us. Or protected us in ways that we do not know. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus, for what you have done in my past. Things that I see and things that I can't even see. How you, you have kept me on the path. Where would I be today without Jesus? Thank you, Lord, for what you have done. Faithful, faithful to guide, faithful to care. Even when we did not know what was going to happen next or where he would send us next, he has been faithful and trustworthy. Thank you, Jesus. Amen? Come on, somebody. Thank you, Jesus. Let's remember those things that God has done for us in the good times, those past marvels, those past miracles, those past mercies. But there's a third point. We've got to touch this too. Thank you, Jesus, even for my miseries. Oh, pastor, you haven't done, done it now. And you're going to want me to say thank you, Jesus, to that here in just a minute too. Yep. Thank you, Jesus, for the miseries. Let's look at verses 10 through 12. For you, O oh God, have tested us. You have refined us as silver is refined. You brought us into the net and laid affliction on our backs. You've caused men to ride over our heads and went. we went through the fire and through the water. Watch this. But you brought us out to rich fulfillment. You see, we can be thankful to Jesus even for the trials that we have been through. Come on, Pastor. Are you sure about that? I am positive about that. Because in the midst of the trials, what is happening is in the midst of the trials, the struggles, the fires, the miseries of life, what He is doing, God is shaping us and He is refining us as His people. The psalmist here praises God for all that he was putting them through or had put them through or allowed them to go through in order to strengthen their faith. Now understand something. Here's a couple of things you need to know. That sometimes, sometimes our miseries that we're going through are because of discipline. Sometimes we go through the, the trials, the difficulties, the miseries because we need to be disciplined. Now, I don't know about you all, but I don't like to be disciplined. I never looked at my mama when she got onto me, when she, when she used the spanking stick or the belt or whatever she used on me. I never looked at her and said, oh, mama, that's so good. We need to do this more often. I never did that. Now, maybe you did. We probably need to talk if that's the case. But I never did do that. Because discipline is not enjoyable, right? It is not fun to go through discipline. Discipline hurts. But let me tell you something. I am so thankful to Jesus that I had a mother who loved me enough to correct me because she wanted me to be something. Amen? She wanted my life to be on the right track. And so she would discipline me to bring me back into the place where I needed to be in my walk. To be right. But brothers and sisters, let me tell you something. Our Heavenly Father does the very same thing. He disciplines us because He loves us. And so while we may not enjoy it when we're being disciplined, we can look back and say, thank you, Jesus, that you cared for me enough that you disciplined me to get me on the right path, to steer me in the right direction, to wake me up, and to set me straight. Sometimes our miseries are because of discipline. Sometimes, listen, and sometimes our miseries are just a testing of our faith. God allows those things to come in our lives sometimes, so that we are, are honed and we're we're shaped and we're refined, and the impurities come out, so that we begin to look more and more like Jesus. But either way, whatever's happening when we're going through the miseries, listen, he always, listen, he always knows what is best and he is merciful to us. Always. In First Peter 1, verses 6 and 7, it says this, In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it's tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. We may not understand what we're facing today. And may, maybe even sometimes I know that there are times when we go through trials and we go through miseries, we go through difficulties, that we get through those things and we look back and we say, wow, thank you, Jesus, for what you did. And I don't, didn't like that. And I didn't have fun going through that. And I don't ever want to do that again. But thank you, Lord, for where you've brought me. Amen? There are other times, friends, when we may go through difficulties and we are still scratching our heads today. I can't figure that one out at all. Have no idea why we had to deal with that. But you can count on this. God will make it plain and clear one day. And it will be for his glory, whatever it was. Amen? Whatever it was. Trusting him. Trusting him. He says in verse 12, watch this again. He says, You've caused men to ride over our heads. We went through fire, through water. But you brought us out into rich fulfillment. You brought us through. Thank you, Jesus. You brought us through. See, he's saying God brought his people to a place of rich fulfillment. A place of abundance. As as they're coming into the promised land, they're coming to a place of abundance. And as brothers and sisters in Christ, as we are believers in Jesus Christ, God has brought us through into abundance. He has given us of himself. Literally, this word, rich fulfillment, is overflowing. The word occurs only right here and only one other place. That other place is found in the 23rd Psalm and verse 5. That verse says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. And here's the word. My cup runneth over. My cup runs over. You have blessed me beyond all measure, Lord. I may be going through the difficulties, but Lord, you have brought me through the fire. You've brought me as you brought me through. You have taught me. You've, I've gained. I've grown I'm I'm more like you now and I thank you Jesus for bringing me to a different level and so because of that thank you Jesus because I am blessed. Now pastor now come on pastor that that's easy for you to say because I mean you're the pastor. I mean look at your blessings. You got a great family. You got a good-looking wife. You got a nice church. Your kids behave themselves. Amen. You are healthy. Man, you, you, don't, you don't have problems, Pastor. This is easy for you to say because you don't have difficulties. You don't have problems. You don't have issues. Um, but, beloved, you don't know what we've seen over our lifetime either. Right? All of us. You know some of our story. My dad left when I was six years old. My mom raised me and my two sisters by herself. We struggled financially. Coming up through, life has not always been easy. Even in our own family, our immediate family now, there have been times when we've gone through difficulties and trials. There have been sicknesses. There's been issues in the extended family that have broken our hearts. There have been losses. There have been sacrifices. If we could canvass the whole congregation, everyone here has had difficulties, trials, issues. Some have been homeless. Some have had addictions, maybe. Some have been ostracized by their families. Maybe some have lost jobs. Maybe a spouse has left. All of us have been through the miseries of life because we live in a sin-sick world. We deal with these things. But here's the thing. Here's the question. As we look at these miseries, and we've had these miseries in our past, all of us, here's the question. Where do you choose to dwell? Where do you choose to dwell? Do you choose to dwell on how bad the situations were or how good God was to you in the midst of it? Do you choose to dwell on what we needed to be delivered from or on how we were delivered from it? His name is Jesus. He's the one who gives us hope. He's the one who changes life. He's the one who transforms us, and we can look to him and say, Lord, this is not fun to go through, and I trust you in the midst of it, but oh, how I thank you that you will bring me through Or how you brought me through. Whatever the case may be. Thank you Jesus for the past memories, the past marvels, even the miseries. You were with me and you brought me through. And you have blessed me beyond all measure. And my cup overflows. Amen. My cup overflows. Man. Thank you Jesus. Thank you Jesus for the past. Thank you Jesus, secondly, for the present. For the past and for the present. Psalm 118.24 says this. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. This is the day the Lord has made. We'll be glad. We'll rejoice and be glad in it. You see, friends, listen. As we quote that psalm, we know that verse. The beauty of the day is not in the day itself, but in who created the day. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. He is the one who makes the day worth rejoicing over. And to give us thanks for. Much to be thankful for in the present. I don't know if you all saw this week in the news. But there was a painting by da Vinci that was sold to somebody. Who just had a lot of money to spend on this painting. And the painting went for $450 million million for a picture. I don't want to judge anybody, but that's just crazy. All right? $450 million for a picture. And you know, as you look at the picture, it's a beautiful picture. But I looked it up, and I can buy the same picture for $12.99. And it's not because... The picture is so beautiful, even that it's Jesus. But why did the picture cost so much? It was because of the creator of the picture, Da Vinci. That's why it was so valuable. As we come into the day, friends, what brings value to the day is not whether it's a beautiful day or a cloudy day, but who created the day. It's the creator. Our God is the creator, and he is in the present and so we can rejoice in this day no matter what is happening in our lives because our creator has created this and we are here now and so we thank you Jesus for this present time for this moment and so as we look at this idea of thank you Jesus for the present we also see his in this psalm we see the we thank him for his being his being in other words in who he is. He is the creator. He is the king over us. And we see that as the psalmist says that we are thankful for who he is. We see some of who he is here in verse 7. He rules by his power forever. In other words, thank you Jesus for this present because you are the king and you rule by your power forever forever you are the king you know this uh, past couple of weeks after the election i was somewhere and there was a conversation somebody said well my man lost and i said well yes but my man is still on the throne amen, amen. that's the truth we thank you jesus that you are the king and that you are exalted We also see that it tells us here that he is the one who knows. He knows all things. And he says in verse 7, he rules by his power forever. His eyes observe the nations. Meaning that you see and you know all things all over the place, all over the world, at all the same time. Wow. Thank you, Jesus, that not only you're the king, but that you know. You know everything about everybody. You know every nation. You know everything about every nation. You know what I'm dealing with. You know what we're dealing with. You know our family's issues. You know what's happening in our lives at this very moment. You know all things. Your eyes observe all things. Thank you, Jesus, that I am not alone and that you are with me. Then he says, verse 9, You keep our souls among the living. In other words, you are our security. I can trust you. Even now, you are what makes me secure. You do not allow, the next part, you do not allow your feet to be moved. In other words, Lord, you are the one who preserves me. Thank you, Jesus. I am a child of God. I don't have to worry about losing my salvation. I don't have to worry about what's going to happen to me when I die because I know whom I have believed, and I know that his name is Jesus, and I know that he is the way, and I know that I'm going to heaven when I die. He's my security. He is one who preserves me. So thank you, Jesus, for who you are, for your being. Thank you that you are the king. Thank you that you know. Thank you that you preserve. Thank you that you are security. Thank you that you're still powerful, that you are still taking care of us, that you are still alive on the throne, that you are still working, and that you are right with us right now. Thank you, Jesus, in the present for his being. Then also the second point of that is that thank you for his benefits. And in Psalm 103, there's a great that all 12 verses are great to read. I'm not going to read all of them. I'm going to read a few of them. But we see in this passage his benefits in the present. In the present tense, in the present time. What are the benefits of our God? Hard for us to think of in that way, but that's what the Bible says. Look in Psalm 103, 1 and 2. It says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his what? Benefits. Forget not all of his benefits. Bless the Lord. Be grateful. Praise Him. And all this my my, all of my heart, all of my affections, my deepest part of who I am, should give praise and thanksgiving to Him for who He is and what He does for all of His benefits. So let's not forget all of His benefits. And what are they? As you look at that Psalm in verse 3, we see that it says, Who forgives all of our iniquities? We thank you, Jesus, that one of the benefits is that you forgive. Aren't you thankful? He forgives. He forgives. Verse 12 says, As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions for us. As far as the east is from the west. Friends, that's a long ways. Matter of fact, it's infinity. Infinity. Have you wondered, ever wondered why the psalmist didn't say as far from north from south instead of east to west? Well, I have a feeling that it's probably because that. do you know that if you go far enough north at some point, you're going to be going south. Right? But you can go as far east as you can possibly go. At no point going east will you ever be going west. That's interesting, isn't it? As far as the east is from the west. He has removed our transgressions from us. They're cast away, never to be seen again. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus, that you forgive. The Bible says if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So we are forgiven, we are clean. He remembers them no more. He forgives still. He forgives and he heals. In verse 3 it says, Who heals all our diseases? This is who He is. This is what He does. He heals the diseases. Listen, ultimately all healing comes from the Lord. All healing. So whether He uses medicine, He uses modern techniques, whether He uses something else, but whether He just divinely heals us miraculously, or He heals us when we step over into heaven. Ultimately, all healing comes from Him. But now does He heal us physically. He heals all of our diseases. He he heals the disease of sin. He heals our hearts. He heals our hurts. He heals our heartaches. And He heals our hate as well. He is able because He is God. He forgives, He heals, and He redeems. Verse 4, who redeems your life from destruction. He is a redeeming God. He delivers. Redeeming means to deliver from death. Releasing or setting free. He is, listen... Thank you, Jesus, that you're still in the business of setting people free from their bondage. Thank you, Jesus, that you're still in the business of releasing people from captivity. Thank you, Jesus, that you still deliver from the darkness and deliver from death. He forgives, he heals, he redeems, and he is gracious. Verse 4 says, who crowns you, the Lord. He crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. Loving kindness is a loyal love. He crowns us. He bestows this blessing of grace and tender mercies toward us. Not only does he forgive and he heals and he redeems and he's gracious, but he also satisfies. In verse 5, he says, Who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. So he satisfies us. He renews our strength. He renews our vigor. He renews our joy. Thank you, Jesus, for your present benefits. Thank you, Jesus. He is merciful and he's slow to anger. Verses 8 through 11, it says, The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in mercy. He'll not always strive with us, nor will he keep his anger forever. He has not dealt with us according to our sins. Thank you, Jesus, right? He's not dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. Thank you, Jesus. We all deserve to be annihilated, to be killed, to be struck down by lightning. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward those who fear him. Thank you, Jesus, for the present, for who you are, your being. Thank you that you are the king, that you know all things, that you keep us secure. Thank you for your benefits, that you forgive, you heal, you redeem, you satisfy, you're merciful, you're slow to anger. Thank you, Jesus, for the past. Thank you, Jesus, for the present. And then third and finally, thank you, Jesus, for the promise. Thank you for the promise. We see two things real quick. One is the humility of the world. The humility of the world. Let's look at verses 1 through 4. The psalmist writes. Make a joyful shout to God. All the earth. Sing out the honor of his name. Make his praise glorious. And say to God how awesome are your works. Through the greatness of your power. Your enemies shall submit themselves to you. All the earth shall worship you. And sing praises to you. They shall sing praises to your name. Let me ask you a question. Is the earth doing that today? Is the earth? Is all the earth worshiping the Lord? Is all the earth singing praises to Him? Is all the earth shouting out a joyful shout to God and singing out honor of His name? No, they're not. But here's the promise: they will. It's the humility of the world. You see, listen, in and rather in Philippians two nine through eleven, the Bible says, therefore God has. has Also highly exalted him, given him Jesus, the name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, those in heaven, those on earth, those under the earth. That every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Thank you, Jesus, for that promise. That the world and the wicked will be humbled one day and they will bow before King Jesus. We can thank the Lord for the promise of tomorrow. We look forward and we see to see the justice and the righteousness of God that he will reign supreme over all. That the enemies of the Lord will and shall submit to him and bow before him. And all will bow and acknowledge that he is great and that he is God. And there is coming that day. Thank you, Jesus, for that promise the humility of the world, and then the second part of that, thank you, Jesus, for the home for the worshiper. And we have to turn to Revelation to find what we mean by that, but you know, as believers, you know how we can say thank you, Jesus, for the promise of tomorrow. Because in Revelation 21, verse 3 and 4, it says, And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. And God, watch this, and God himself will be with them and be their God, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death. There should be no more sorrow. There should be no more crying. There should be no more pain. There should be no more leaves in your yard. There should be no more allergies. There should be some more... That doesn't really say that, but you get the idea, amen? Home for the worshiper. When the former things have passed away, and beloved, we shall see Jesus. No more sickness, no more pain, no more sorrow, no more death. Thank you, Jesus, for the promise of tomorrow, that there is coming a day of victory. Thank you, Lord, that I will see your face. Thank you, Lord, for the hope of victory. Thank you, Jesus, for the promise of seeing you in all of your glory. Thank you, Jesus, for the promise of when everything will finally be made right. And thank you, Jesus, that we will understand all of life's questions. Thank you, Jesus, for the past, the present, and the promise of tomorrow. You see, friends, listen. No matter what is going on in your life, in the past or the present or whenever, you can be thankful because we have a Savior. No matter what we may face in this life, we can always come back and say, Ah, yes, but God, but God, we have a Savior. Take a look at this video real quick. give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. Thank you, Jesus, for the past. Thank you, Jesus, for the present. Thank you, Jesus, for the promise of tomorrow. And since we just finished that Discipleship Disciple You series, I don't have an assignment for you. But I do have a to-do list for you. But there's only one thing on that list today, all right, for this week. And here it is. Be salty in thankfulness. All right? The Bible, Jesus teaches us and tells us that we're to be the salt of the earth as his disciples, as believers. We're to be salty, to season the world around us. And so here's the thing that I want you to do is to be salty in your thankfulness. Let that be the the life in which you live, that you are thankful. Having that thankful living, not only at Thanksgiving, but all the time. Having a thankful life. Having a salt and being salt. Now look, here's the thing. Be the salt to season our world with a thankful heart. But a question for you, do you season your family with a thankful heart? Do you season where you work, where you spend time? Do you season those areas with a thankful heart? This week, maybe this afternoon, you'll have a Thanksgiving lunch or Thanksgiving meal at some point. I mean, that's what people love getting together. and We have a meal, right? I mean, I think that's typically... And at some point during that Thanksgiving meal, whether that's today or some other point this week, at some point during the meal, somebody is going to say, could you please pass the salt? And when you hear, please pass the salt, let it stir up within you. And may it be your indicator that now's the time that you can share with the people around the table how thankful you are for Jesus. Amen? You got that? So you all have, So somebody has got to say pass the salt. And then as you hear that, that's the begin. Let's talk about how thankful we are for Jesus. Now I understand that when we come to Thanksgiving, and, here, and I'll just be transparent here with everybody, I know how easy it is for us to say, and we are thankful for these things. Oh, so I'm thankful for my house. I'm thankful for my car. I'm thankful for that turkey. And I'm thankful for the food. And I'm thankful for my family. And that's great. And we are. But how about this year? Let's take it a little bit deeper. Let's say how thankful we are for how Jesus has rescued us. How he has delivered us. How he has been there for us when it was a difficult time. How he walked with us through the valley and shared that with the people that we love the most. And say, thank you, Jesus, for all that you've done for me today. That I know that I have hope. I have forgiveness. I've been cleansed of my sin. I have the assurance. I have security. Thank you, Jesus. And thank you, Jesus, for we don't, may not know what's happening in our lives or what's going to happen tomorrow. Maybe folks are going through some difficulties. But as you come to that moment, you can say, you know what? This may be a tough time we're going through right now. But I can say thank you, Jesus, for the hope that is ours, that we win through Christ. Amen? Amen. We have a home where we will worship Him. We may not understand it all right now, but one day we will. Thank you, Jesus. A thankful heart begins with a born-again heart. So if you don't know this Jesus the Savior and Lord of your life, why not today? Giving Jesus your heart, letting Him have rule over your life. As we turn from our sin and turn to Jesus in humble repentance, believing with all of our heart that this Jesus loves us as the Son of God went to the cross and took our penalty, died for us there, and then rose again on the third day. Embracing that by faith, it's a step of faith. If you've never trusted Jesus to save you, to be the Lord of your life, why not today? What a great Thanksgiving that would be. But for those of us who do know Jesus, let us use the time that we've had this morning to stir us up and to spur us on to have a greater thankful heart for who Jesus is as we remember what he's done. Let's pray. Father, we thank you and praise you for all that you have done, all that you are doing, and all that you are going to do. And we pray, Father, that you would have your way in our hearts and our lives as we come to this invitation, that, Lord, if you're dealing with us, to just come and pray to yield to you completely something in our lives, something in our home, something in our work, something at school. Lord, be it to be obedient to you and where you're calling us, whether that's to vocational ministry or whether that's calling us to salvation or calling us to join this fellowship or to baptism, whatever you're dealing with us about. Lord, may we use this time as you're calling us to be right with you. And I pray, Father, that you'd be with us as we come to this invitation, that, Lord, we would recommit our hearts to you to have thankful hearts and to remember to say, thank you, Jesus, for the past. Thank you, Jesus, for the present. and Thank you, Jesus, for the promise. Oh, Lord, you are worthy of all praise and glory and thanksgiving. Have your way in our hearts, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to stand. And we're going to sing. You come as God is dealt with your heart. Pastor Joe's here. I'm here. Oh, if you want to just pray silently here at the altar, you come as we sing together.